All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show, WTF, the podcast. Welcome to it. How is everybody? How's your Monday going so far? What can I, how can I help you? Uh, is everything okay at this table? Do you need anything? Do you need, uh, would you like me to refill that for you? Before I start talking about uh, myself or whatever ridiculousness is in my head, I'd, uh, I'd just like to uh, acknowledge and um, express my sadness over the passing of uh, Kevin Meany, who was a, a, a very, very funny guy, a great comic, uh, a real original, uh, and just purely, purely entertaining. And I used to see him a lot in uh, Boston, when I started out, there was actually a night, it might have been at uh, Stitches, the uh, Sweeney and Meany show with Steve Sweeney and Kevin Meany. He was, I believe he started there, so I got to see him a lot. And um, he was just a completely entertaining guy, and he died, I believe he was 60, which is too young. I, I don't know the situation or the conditions surrounding it, but I, I just wanted to acknowledge um, the fact that we lost a really, a really funny man. So rest in peace, Kevin Meany. And we know you don't care. That was a bit he did. All right. Sarah Jessica Parker is on the show today. I did this interview in New York City in a hotel room. And um, I, you know, I watched a few episodes of Sex and the City. I like it, but I like her. She's one of those people that's just present in the, in the, in the in the media landscape, she is a shining star, and I always liked her. I, I I every time I saw her in anything, and she's been doing a lot of stuff for a long time, even more than I I knew. You just I'm sort of you relate to her somehow. I, you just sort of like I like that lady. She's she seems uh, nice and sweet and charming and full of energy and talent. And uh, I don't know what I would say to her if I saw her. I still get that feeling. I get that feeling every time I have to do an interview. But it always makes it a little awkward when I got to do it in my hotel room because the hotel rooms at the Bowery where I stay, usually I don't spend the big jack for the bigger suite. They're sort of a small room. So it's just basically a bedroom. And I, you know, I always have to like, clean up and, and tidy up and have the, the cleaning person come in early so at least it doesn't look sorted somehow. Just uh, come on in. Yeah, that's, oh yeah, I didn't, yeah, that's a washcloth. I'm sorry, there are towels on the floor. It, it was just one of those things where I'm already entering it a little self-conscious and a little embarrassed because it is not your standard uh, professional interview situation. But I found her to be very charming. Uh, so it, she lived up to everything I expected and I love talking to her. And you will enjoy it too in a minute. The schedule is... I will be with my partner, my business partner and producer, Brendan McDonald, at the Now Hear This Festival in Anaheim, California. Uh, we're doing a live interactive WTF event. There are about 30 other podcasts doing shows all weekend. That's this Saturday. Now Hear This Festival. You can go to nowhearthisfest.com for all the details and come out. I haven't seen Brendan in a while. He's coming out this week. Carnegie Hall, is, there's about 100 tickets left, and that's November 4th in New York City. 
James K. Polk Theater, November 19th in Nashville, Tennessee. The Vic Theater, Chicago, Illinois, December 3rd for two shows. Ruby Diamond Concert Hall, Tallahassee, Florida, January 24th, 2017. The Carolina Theater in Durham, North Carolina, February 17th. Night Theater, Charlotte, North Carolina, February 18th. The Ridgefield Playhouse, March 2nd, Ridgefield, Connecticut. The Music Hall in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, March 3rd. College Street Music Hall, March 10th in New Haven, Connecticut. Troy Savings Bank Music Hall, March 11th in Troy, New York. And Flynn Center in Burlington, Vermont, March 12th. There you go. If you heard your city or it's nearby, go grab a a ticket, would you? I watched uh, my new kitten, Buster Kitten. Uh, continually bully uh, the old man monkey, uh, which upsets me, and there's nothing I can do about it. But there is something I can do about it, and it's something that uh, I'm procrastinating on because I don't... I I don't know why I'm projecting or transposing or, or what, but I'm having a hard time accepting the fact that I'm going to have to cut this cat's balls off. Obviously, I'm not going to do it at home, Obviously, I'm going to take him to a professional to have it done. But I, you know, I don't know it's, if it's a weird pride, but I got this cat when it was a little teeny kitten. It was two months old. He's doing all right. He's a little crazy. I can't really, I, I don't have a full grasp. Uh, and I don't think he does either of what his personality is going to end up being because what I'm about to do is going to have a big uh, impact on that. But he's grown in these nice balls. You, you know, he doesn't know that he did, but, you know, he's done a good job with the balls. And now I'm just going to take him in and have his balls cut off because it's the right thing to do. And I'm procrastinating because I don't know. It must be transference. I'm, I'm personalizing it. I'm, I'm using empathy that is human to try to think about what it would be like to be young and just coming into my own and having someone put me into a cage, which I thought would be fun initially, and then cut my balls off. I think I just explained uh, a job. Uh, that It's a metaphor for a job. But no, but I have to, I have to do this. And, uh, and it's going to be the right thing to do. But I, am I going to be able to, to look my cat in the eye again after I do that to him? He's going to know. I've been through this with other cats, but it's been a while. It's been a while since I had to, to sort of be the guy that steps in and has a cat's balls cut off. It's upsetting to me. I don't know why it is, but I, I got to do it because if he gets out, he could make more kittens. Maybe it'll calm him down, but uh, but it has to be done, and uh, I have to stop fucking personalizing it. It's it's an okay thing to cut your cat's balls off, but he, he, he looks he's just just he's just coming into himself. See, I'm negotiating. I want to thank all the people that came out to University of California in Santa Barbara, Campbell Hall. That was a great gig. Had the uh, wonderful Kevin Christie open up, and it was an amazing venue. You could hear everything. The acoustics were perfect. And uh, I did a little Q&A with some students afterwards, and that was uh, enriching and and, uh, fulfilling. And I felt like I was helping the young people of our country. Also, thanks to everybody who came out to Largo last night and watched that two-hour marathon of a show. I don't want to call it a marathon because it was a good show and it made me feel a a little more prepared because I got Carnegie coming up and I've made it a big deal in my mind. I guess it is a big deal because it is that venue, 
But before I took the uh, job on Glow, uh, I had a lot of other, I had to move a lot of dates, but I thought I was going to be doing a lot of dates, and these dates are working out. Uh, When you hear this, I will have done the Ice House last night, and hopefully that went well. I don't know yet, because it's still a couple hours away, doing a little time travel shifting. But but I I do, I always want to be, show my gratitude for those who come out to see me. Oh my God. I'm getting old. I turned 53 a few weeks ago and I'm starting to see it in pictures of me. More. I'm starting to think, what happens now? What do I do? I'm starting to think maybe small house somewhere in New Mexico. What does it all mean? Is it all happening? Is all the meaning already there? Do I already know? Is it within me? Am I missing it? What's happening? I know this. I talked to Sarah Jessica Parker for a little while. Uh, she's on a new HBO show. It's called Divorce. It's on right now. New episodes premiere Sundays at 9.30 p.m. And you can watch it anytime on HBO Go, HBO Now, and HBO On Demand. I need to mention this before we get into this interview. Because I am uh, a moron with names. I, I've known people decades, and I do not know or remember their name. I, do, I think that's a skill one has to learn, or else it's just because I'm so self-involved. But Sarah Jessica brings up uh, Paul Sims, who, of course, I know, and I've had conversations with. But uh, when she brings up his name, I'm like, I don't think I know him, because I'm a fucking moron. And I'm self-involved, I guess. But I, I, I just want to... I want to set that straight because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So this is me and Sarah Jessica Parker um, in a hotel room talking. Enjoy. I, sw- I swear to God, I get insecure. Like I was like, oh, it's I was gonna bring water from the car yeah. um, because I didn't want to make you pay for water. No, I don't care about um. paying for water. I just don't. I, you, know, I, you know, like I get the same feeling. For some reason, there's certain people like they come over to my garage. I'm like, oh, it's a mess. Yeah, she's gonna. What is she gonna no, think I, of me? And, you know. I should talk about what we. Sh- I wish I were. I wish I were in your garage. I mean, I'm happy to be home in New York, but I really do. So if this goes well, and you feel that I'm, I've deserving of for some reason we've not covered enough and part, I, two? Uh, part two Sarah Jessica Park then you know what and, you, and honestly though if you're in LA and you want to see the garage I can just, just come by yeah, we don't have to inter- you don't have to speak to me you can come oh, in I don't okay. usually do I don't usually do full length interviews more than once okay no no no, no you need I'm not asking for you to do a part two really what I'm ba- basically saying is that I just want to see the garage you come over and then you know what we could do we could do like a short interview which I do a lot of you um you know having that experience okay you you just it just be Sarah Jessica Parker experiences the garage. All right, that's fine. <laughs> and I'll notice things. I'll see details. Sure, and yeah. have just you ever rip, interviewed Amy Sedaris? I have interviewed Amy Sedaris in live. The, in the garage. Oh no. God, she's, she would love your garage. But she's like a, she's like a unicorn. You can't you know like getting her to you yeah. know, do things or to, yeah. like, the, the one time I interviewed her, she was in a panic because she had to go somewhere and it was all a very rushed situation. Really? Yeah, but it was hilarious. Yeah, and she's really. There's she's nobody kind of, more consistently delivers whatever it is she delivers. She's really, uh, she's God, describing her as a unicorn is kind of great. I mean, she she is sort of uh, she's <laughs> she one of the truly magical people I've ever I've ever known in my life. Right, and every every part of her, like yeah. you know, like whatever she's doing that morning, you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> I know <laughs> what you did. But what? I think also it's because she 
commit such an enormous amount of uh, everything is given equal value. Right. You know, whether yeah. it's like, uh, you know, going to the market to look for some peculiar, maybe kind of contraband vegetable or um, finding proper rickrack for an apron <laughs> she's making. She's or, all in. She's all yeah. in. I mean, it's a yeah. real lesson in kind of an, an enthusiasm. Yeah. And know? she's like sort of, the, it's sort of like, she's like a poet in a way. Yeah, she's like, really. Everything's loaded up. Like yeah. everything has the same sort of electricity. But I would imagine she would love your garage. Like she loves. Um, oh, we probably no, get no talking done. She'd be p- taking things off the yeah, shelf. Yeah, yeah. What's this? Yeah, examining, looking yeah. underneath. I'd like her to do it, but like, like I say, she's one of those people where it's like, really, she's gonna come. Yeah, you know, I'd be amazed. Yeah, if well, I could get her there, we can work on that. I come back here and I don't recognize the city. So if you yeah. have memories from that long oh, ago, yeah. like and I, I don't... have memories prior because prior to my official arrival, yeah. um, in our Volkswagen bus with everything we owned, um, my real father was from New York, so we right. came to New York to visit. My father and my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, not infrequently. So I have been coming right, to visit connection. New York since, you were a kid. since the early 70s and specifically um, Brooklyn, which was a as unique then as the as the as Manhattan was totally I mean, meaning right. the changes are as um, obvious to the right. to the eye but that's sort of my memory <clears throat> too like my grandmother was in Jersey mm-hmm. and I would fly back and I take the bus in when yeah. I was 14 she would put me on a bus <laughs> the in red and Jersey. tan lines I don't remember which ones but <laughs> yeah. who would do that now 14 years old go ahead go into Times Square you know have what a good, have a good time I think you're I, you know what's so funny we were talking about this last night because I was a I was a young working actor from the time I was very, very young prior to my arrival in New York. And in I, Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah, I started acting when I was eight. All right, so now we can go back to that. So you grew, you were born in Ohio. Your parents were together. Your, your father Correct. was a professor. I'm not saying this like I'm reading it. We talked about we it We already talked about this. On. We're reviewing. Yeah, he was a poet. He started the American Poetry Review. The American Review, Poetry Review. And then he got out of poetry. And then he got out of poetry. And my... Um, we moved to Cincinnati, and we lived in Cincinnati, Ohio, until I was eleven. So from five to eleven, I lived in Cincinnati. But no, no dad. Um, my mother remarried in nineteen sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Um, yeah, in sixty-eight. So you're three. So I'm three, and and they're they are How still was that married. Guy? He's wonderful. I mean, I have that I have out. two great fathers. So you're in Cincinnati. So so doing I a big training. So I'm in with Cincinnati. The local method acting. No, you know what it was? Seriously, it was because my parents read the paper. And in the paper... This is your mom and your stepdad. My, my mom and my stepdad. And what's your stepdad do? He is a... He's a truck driver. He's a truck driver Continues for, to be. He's a teamster. A teamster. So local, not like cross-country He's thing. a local. He was... Right. At that time, he was a... He was a... Um, he was a semi-driver. He was an 18-wheeler grain. He was driving grain across the country back and forth. So that's good. So you had a truck to climb into for fun. Yes, and he would take, he would pick a child and we could accompany him on a shorter trip and we would sleep in the cab. Right. The you know, above. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a bunk bed kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. That's a great yeah. thing to have as he's a child. A, he's a, I mean, both my fathers are very interesting. And well, at least I think so. And anyway, so I mean. siblings are there? I'm one of eight. What? Yeah. How does that pan, how does it, <laughs> does that pan out? Wait, the the, the original that, set. How many do you have? So I'm the youngest of my biological parents. Okay, that's how my you mother call it. remarried right. and had four more. So my mother's had oh my eight God. children really? with two husbands. And so I'm the fourth of eight. And what do you, are you? Do you know them all? I am fairly fairly familiar with most of them. Yeah. No. Yeah, I do. Pip and Toby, Rachel, Sarah, Jessica, Andrew, Megan, Allegra, and Aaron. 
That's crazy. And and did a few couple of them are in show business? Yeah, so my uh my brother Pippin is um is the is the dean of the new school writing, directing and acting program. Really? Mm-hmm. And that's this a, is that's a pretty fifth important year. position. Yeah, I'm yeah. very proud of him. My brother Toby is a is a great and beautiful actor and singer and he's been on Broadway a lot and is very special, very gifted. My sister Rachel was in the medical profession, and then she married and uh, had a family, yeah. and couldn't devote what the medical profession requires. Right. And um, and now she's sort of getting back into it. Um, and then my brother Andrew is the house prop man for the Roundabouts Broadway House. Right. Oh, here the Roundabout Theater. Uh huh. Oh my um, god. And my sister You're Megan. Like the Barrymores. <laughs> without all the sort of right. prestige and, and drunken, yeah, and. and um, yeah, we're we used to think we were. Well, are we the Glass family? Like we we used to imagine this is you know the the ideal version, but we're in yeah. fact not. It turned out. Um, my sister Megan um, pulls focus. She's a focus puller for uh, for movies. Movies. Um, my sister Allegra sort of is like a masseuse. Job. She's a masseuse. Oh really? Yeah, Groovy. she's a masseuse. Yeah. And my little baby brother Aaron, who is not a ba- no longer a baby, who's expecting his first baby, he's a teamster also. Uh, he's a truck guy. He is. He typically drives uh, one of the vans here in New York. In or? movie, in the movie business. Uh-huh. And my father's in the movie business now too. In Cincinnati. In I mean, my my stepfather is a teamster in the movie business in New York City. He is. Yes. He's here now. He's here. No one's my, in Ohio. Our whole family Everybody's moved here. here. The whole family moved here on January first of nineteen seventy seven. Everything we owned in our in our Eight VW kids. bus. There Not were yet. six at the six. time. In the my bus. mother was pregnant. My mother was pregnant with Allegra, Crazy. so she couldn't travel with us. So that, so you just, as a teamster, he could get like they, you could just get work. Yes, like they could take care of. That was here. his hope. That was right. his hope. Okay. And we had we we were one of the first families to move to Roosevelt Island, but when we arrived, because we were part of the subsidized housing, when we arrived. It wasn't complete, so we had no place to stay. So you're just out there on that island with that tram so, car? No, so we had to find a hotel room, and the, the only hotels that we could afford were not in the city. We were we ended up at the Holiday Inn in Yonkers. Six kids. Six kids. A pregnant one, mom, maybe. One father. Yeah. And a mother back in Cincinnati, oh, cl- she closing up the house. Yet. She couldn't travel with us. And the real dad was here? And my real father, at that point, lived in Philadelphia. So he was no help. Well, I mean, it's not that he didn't offer to help, but he it would have been uh, peculiar for him to, you know, kind of help with the kids. Yes, they were. They're all. They too are familiar with each other. At that time, was it contentious or was it all right? I I I would say that, um, like a lot of divorces, it was complicated. Let's put it that way. But I I think it was a civilized but complicated. I watched the first episode, the pilot of Divorce of the new show for HBO. It was kind of gnarly, man. Yeah, it's gnarly. <laughs> it's like you, you go from the glamorous New York City defining socialite to like this suburban nightmare. Mm. But it was funny. You guys, I mean, it was dark and it was disturbing, but you guys are so good. <laughs> Tom, what's his name? Thomas Hayden Church? Thomas Hayden Church. Oh, my just God. Great? This is so, it's He's like, so good. And Molly Shannon yeah. for a few minutes. Did she come back? Tracy I didn't Letts, watch him. I, um, Talia Balsam. Do they come back? Tracy they Letts is the one back. who had the heart attack. Yeah, they all come back quite a bit. Oh. Yeah, they're all regulars. Yeah, it's really. Great. Yeah, I describe and the it guy as from um, the Friday the Concords. Is he out? Is Jermaine? that Is he back? Does he come back, or is that it? I, I, I I'll say that you will. There will be a drive-by. Right. I don't want to say there too had, much. Right, you know? no, I get it. I get it. I don't want to titillate your audience. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the twist 
at the end, and it is a twist. Yeah. Was sort of like, oh shit. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 going to be interesting because I, I didn't watch them all because then I, I would probably would have spoiled something. But watching the pilot was that you know to keep those characters sympathetic, to keep your character sympathetic. Yeah. You know, given what we know. Yeah. And given it is going to be tricky, but it's but it is because it's already sympathetic because it's it's that's real what happens. It's real. Yeah. It's like that's what happens. Like yeah, that exactly. scene, the scene on the train with you and you know yeah. and, and that riff she lays on you yeah. about like you think you're in love. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. It's sort yeah. Of, it's sad, but human beings really have this very small menu of how they fuck things up. Yeah, yeah. And especially smart people. Yeah. Who who surprise themselves making bad choices, behaving badly, terrible counsel. Right. Which is typically their own. Right. You know? What's well, a rationalization um, thing? Yeah, and I think what I what I love about playing that part and and what I love about her mm-hmm. is that people used to be like, "Oh, you know, do you do you like Carrie Bradshaw?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I love playing Carrie Bradshaw." <clears throat> and I love playing that part just for and the clothes, right? Just actually for the story. Uh-huh. I loved telling that story. And they would say, you know, was she likable? I was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, she's she's a human being. But what I think is so interesting about Frances is that she is not buoyant like Carrie. She no. is not, she's prickly and she's chilly, but I feel like she's incredibly real. And that she is like an enormous number of people who have made a commitment and gone back to the well and dug deep and are weary and exhausted in a marriage and feel that there's this sort of deadening inertia. And that that one line she says, I want to save my life while I still have a chance, I think is very real. And I think she's... I feel it now. And I'm not married and I'm not a, a woman. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, like, yeah. and I'm just at this point in my life where you, you have a moment. You're not that much younger than me. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. No, 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 no. Where you're like, uh, what's the fucking point? Yeah. You know, what happens now? How much time do I have left? Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and why should it suck? Yeah, and and so what do you do to salvage your what you imagine are your remaining years? And and what I think often you discover, yeah, is that it's it's not for the most part. It's really with the complication of children and financial issues that are real and are a true strain in this particular relationship that we're talking about on the show. It's not what you imagine. It's not. I mean, the liberation sort of hangs in front of you like this great shiny lure. But the truth of divorce or an attempt at divorce is just for middle class people, it is painful. If you don't have money to throw at it and get out of it clean, it is a very painful, complicated, yeah. disappointing failure. I had. I know? don't even have kids and my se- my second divorce was horrendous. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, so anyway, so I love playing her and it's, um and Thomas was my first choice and I cannot believe he said yes. He's I'm so, thrilled. Uh, he's a very unique performer. Isn't he? <laughs> he? And you know, and his ability to be funny, it's just like sort of, nat- he's one of those people that you yeah. just kind of wait you know, something funny is going to happen. Yeah. And it's completely horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I want to talk about this relationship stuff, though. Because what, like, what you're saying is that even when you make the choices that would, in your mind at that moment, imply that, you know, this is going to make it better, you know, there's other things to be reckoned with. Like yeah. the loneliness, the, uh, you know, maintaining a relationship with your children that's not detrimental to them. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, like And sort of to, what have you done to the, you know, I think the first things that have become apparent is... First, first of all, just on a practical level, you're missing an extra set of hands, right? right? So you're a working person and you need to work. Right. You're in a job that is not 
satisfying in any way. Yeah. You're in debt. You're, you know, changing credit cards for the best, you know, interest rates constantly. You're right. trying to be a good parent to make up for what are very transparent, you know, felonies, basically, right. to your children. In your children's eyes, you've right. just you've committed de- you've horrible. Yeah. yeah. And um, and how, how, how do you... I don't know, how do you begin? How do you right. sort of surface? Yeah. And my, Yeah, my brother and, went through it. Yeah, and everyone knows people who went through it. Did you have people that you were sort of like, you, you've kind of uh, walked through this horrible thing? Well, I sort of, I started working on this show like f- four years ago. Yeah. And I was initially just interested in um, marriages and, and um, affairs because I was at the point where I was, f- I, I had a lot of friends who were either contemplating divorce survived divorce, didn't survive divorce in their own way, came out of divorce thinking it was the best thing that ever happened. Both sides. All of it. And, you know, friends that were having affairs that didn't affect the marriage, having affairs that did, having yeah. affairs that were, you know, well, I mean, you're married, all that sort of stuff, right? And, and I'm married for a and, long you know, time. And, and God knows you've run things through <clears throat> your head. Well, I think all of us sort of think about <laughs> yeah, all okay, of it, sure. you know? All of us and do. I think it's really interesting. And I and there were great shows about marriage, you know, yeah. but, but I wanted to sort of, I wanted to look at it this way yeah. and in a truthful way, but that you can find the humor in all this because the environment allows for absurdity and ridiculousness and silly. You know, I mean, there's Thank things God. about it that you can. So it's not just this sort of. Oh no, it can be so doomy. Well, yeah, um, but just the, like that feeling of like when you show up at the door. That's I'm not going to tip anymore. Like that when uh, your heart falls through you and you realize like. Yeah, and he's in every position, you know. He says some brutal stuff, but right but there. he's he's it's his, you know, this it's his feelings, it's his feelings sure. and I, and and I'm deserving of, you sure. know, I should be the recipient of those, but it's really it's deadening, you know, yeah. but I love I love it and I love what we get to do and I'm I'm Are I'm you, thrilled that we got to Mhm. And was it your idea to 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 champion this? I mean, was it, did you pull it to HBO? So it's an idea I had that we were developing. Oh, it's all you. Yeah, and then um, so I was, but I was focused more on the affair. So then eventually, I have a little company at HBO, and we produce, right. and um, and eventually we started meeting writers. One of whom was Sharon, and we hired Sharon, and she wrote our pilot. And then we brought on Paul Sims, who's our showrunner. Do you yeah. know Paul? I don't. You know I who can't I believe know? you don't Tom know Paul. Sharpling. Oh my God! He was just here. I love, I love Tom Sharpling. Sharpling's the best. Do you know what I love to do to Tom Sharpling? Oh no! You I love to hug him. Oh yeah! God, <laughs> so I love it. to hug him. He's like, ooh! It's <laughs> just he is somebody. I I wrote I I yeah. sent him an email because Tom Sharpling is very special to me, and he won't hear it. Yeah, but. He was sitting right there yesterday. We do no freaking way. We do these shows sometimes, the Mark and Tom show. We've I didn't done, know that. How can I not done, know this? Well, there's only been two. Oh, okay. And I then we better. haven't done one in a couple of years because you know we're both broadcasters yeah, and we yeah. both have a mutual respect for each other. And he cracks me up. So like when we have time, we'll just talk. Oh, how great! On the mic. So we did one yesterday. Oh, and he's like, just. Uh, he's great. He's so he's so uh, funny and so so fond of him. And unique. I love like you know toward the end he really. He was so valuable on the set for me, yeah. in particular. Yeah, like he would just know when to come by, and after a take or after a really complicated, hard scene, whether it was hard because of the choreography or the emotion that was required or yeah. pain, whatever it was, right. he would come by and he would just tap me on the back, yeah, or just say something 
sort of <laughs> sentimental and romantic. Right. You yeah. know? And it meant the world to me. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. Because he was really paying attention, and it was really important to me that he come back for the second season, which uh-huh. he did. So, oh, good. yeah, I'm just, I'm. How do we start talking about him? How did that happen? Oh, so, okay, so writers. we hired Paul Sharon. Sharon we sure hired I Paul. If I know him or not. And Paul, who's Sharon? Sharon Horgan is um, a writer and an actor, and she has a show on called Catastrophe. Oh, that's what I was mistaking it. Right. Like, with Rob Delaney. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but this is a separate. Right. And so, so she. Your initial idea was the affair. The affair in a marriage. I right. wanted to have it be. And that's all you had. That's all you. Were I had actually. I had a lot of very specific ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was excited about when I met Sharon was yeah. she was really interested in divorce, and she was interested in some of the bigger themes that I was that I found really compelling. Yeah. And a larger part of this whole thing was '70s cinema, and you know. An unmarried woman right. has always played a huge role in my life. Like That's, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the way s- we used to shoot movies in the 70s and the music. So all the music, I don't know if you've noticed, is from the 70s. Yeah, I did. Um, now that you mentioned because, it. And that one scene where he's outside watching the events in that suburban fancy house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was very 70s. Isn't it great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was good. And he's just standing there like a doofus. It's really you know? sad. Yeah, it's brutal. But it's beautifully shot, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, so it looks great. I figured the and reason Molly's I wanted so that crazy. 70s music is I was like, oh, this is the music. This would be the music that informed their, their growing right, up these, lives, right? right sure. These are the This was the music they fell in love to. Right. Not even with each other, but right. they fell in love the first time and the sure. second time and the third time yeah. and the 11th time. And this is now the music that they are falling up part two, you know right, too yeah. so the music um, you smoke your first cigarettes too yeah it's really good it's all too. it's all so evocative <laughs> yeah. and it's just what could we afford mm-hmm. um so anyway oh, yeah. right that's good that was smart these songs can't be that much oh my god it's crazy no it's really crazy and we uh, we're a tight show i mean we don't have like a crazy we're not profligate with the money we're really like we're lean are you yeah we're lean is that your choice yeah, because the I always feel the like more... HBO just sort of like, how much do you need? No, I mean not with us. <laughs> <laughs> but I I prefer that because I feel like maybe you wore armor and stuff, and there was some yeah, and fantasy. there was some yeah, or <laughs> or maybe if we were an hour, I don't know. But the thing about that kind of discipline mm-hmm. and limitations is you're really thoughtful about every choice, and oh, then yeah, know, yeah. if you really want something, you can argue for it. But if you're constantly asking for rain machines for no reason, right? right. Then yeah, it's like, like staying well, out too late with really yeah. good, you know. It's like yeah. just because you can say the F right. word on HBO doesn't mean you you have to or you should. You should be like mindful, and then yeah. when you say it, yeah, it's got like sure. it really. It's got it's basement, got you well, know. That, yeah, I'm in. After a pilot, I'm you know I'm 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 in. Oh, good. I hope there are at least twelve others who say the same thing, or oh, no, it's going to be twelve hundred others. Well, people, I, you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting is to see. It is a, a really wild, dramatic shift for your cultural character. Like, you know, you, you know, you sort of like reinvented New York City with that show, <laughs> and you, you represent this thing. Like, you get. I imagine you can't even walk down the street that easily. Can you? No, I mean, I, I'm physically, I'm capable. Right, but you just but there are people that like to stop just, and chat. Let's oh, put yeah. it that way. They're, you know, it's always sort of like, I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> yeah, but I, I got some things I need to say to you. you no, know, they like A to share intimate details. But right? yesterday, I was running to, um. A, a, actually a, a charity dinner and yeah. I was like really running and all these young girls and I was like I can't I can't right now I would 
I'm because you feel bad. Right? I feel terrible. And now it's not it's even autographs; terrible. it's just pictures. No, they it's just, just phones. Sort of yeah. So listen. So yeah. you know, okay, because you know Louis C.K. so yeah. so well. So we must live close to him. No, I think we do. Yeah. yeah. So he and my husband have Matthew Broderick have become have uh, been friends for a while, and we were talking about this. You know, the phone call, the phones, yeah. the cameras. Oh, and Louis the phones, got no policies. And, no policies. Right. No so, but policy. what he did. But now we hear he doesn't anymore, and you can confirm this, but this is, okay, yes. so this is what Matthew told me that Louis said, mm-hmm. is when people came up to him with and said, may I, he would say, they won't. Yeah. They, they won't. won't. They won't. Huh. And it was so disarming and so bizarre that people were left stunned, and then I guess he could move on freely, right? So they go, can so I, I take thought, your picture, and he goes, and he's like, I'm won't. sorry, they won't. Yeah. So I was like, well, this is, Trick. <laughs> this is like brilliant. This yeah. is like... So complex. So I decided last year to start trying They Won't. Yeah. Which amused me to no end. And it was a really interesting experience to see people sort of stop and be Because it's kind not of like, no. It's not no. And usually it's, it's an not, answer to the question that they just asked their friend. Do you think they would? <laughs> right. I'm sorry, they won't. So I, so we tried this. This was funny. It, it worked in a, you know... It, well, we just made it work. I made yeah. it work. But then I was traveling, and we went last year, um, my husband, myself, and my kids, we went to Sweden. We landed in Stockholm. This was for a family holiday. Yeah. You know, it's evening there, and the, it's June, and the night sky is, 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 you know, it's bright until like 11, but it's mm-hmm. exquisite. And the city, you know, the skyline of Stockholm, and I say to the kids, and we've got a babysitter, and I say, but you know, Papa and I are going to take a walk. We're going to cross the bridge in Stockholm, and you guys can hang out here. And Matthew and I are walking across this bridge and we're like, oh, oh, the Swedish people, look how, they're so classy. There's no one, cameras and phones and and, um, we're having this really pleasant, we just feel like we've been completely freed. Right. And um, we're walking down small, narrow streets in the old town and I just see something out of the corner of my eye and I I know movement now. Right, yeah, yeah. And um, this woman leaps up from her chair and she comes running after me and she's like, Oh my God, Sarah! Oh my God, Sarah and Jessica! Oh my God, I'm here. Can I take a photo? And she's got a thing. I go, ah, they won't. And she goes, Who's they? <laughs> she's the first person ever. Who? Who's they? Of course. Literally, yeah, that, I was like, weird. tears were. Str- I was. Laughing. My husband and I ran like small children. We ran away from her, but I could not believe she said, "Who's who's this?" Right, classic New York Jewish logic. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was what, dying. What, what, what do you think? I'm a moron. Finally, you... someone said, "Who's they?" <laughs> and it had to be in that but accent. Then I heard that, with he, that, that Louis doesn't do it anymore. I heard he's now just no. No. Yeah. No. That's that was my idea. So how does he? How does he do it and not feel lousy for the next 20, 45 seconds? Do I don't know. know. I mean yeah, I, I don't know. You, uh, you'd have to ask him. But I think that ultimately what you start to realize also with you, I'm sure you know that if there's a street situation that if you let one person, no, all know. of a sudden a, there's 10 people. Yeah. And I, I think that what happens over time is that people people know that they're being you, you know intrusive and it's a gamble. Right, right. You, you know, well, you know I mean? they're asking you while the camera's shooting. This is the other Right, or else they sneak one, and then they become sort of dicks, you know. But I can't imagine, like, I don't know what kind of fans you have, you know, but, (laughs) you know, but I I imagine they're pretty respectful and they expect Um, a a lot out of you. But Louis could get any number of different types of people. There could be guys like, yo, Louis! Right. But you get that too, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, 
you know, I get kind of all of it. I live on, in, yeah. in New York, so I'm yeah. on the streets all the time. I, I mean, the thing, the thing I try to say, which is foolish, yeah. because by the time I've like, you know, trot out this kind of mini monologue, I could have taken the picture. Right. But I try to say to them, isn't this more meaningful? Just this exchange of me saying I can't, yeah. that I'm with my kids. Have you tr- I mean, you've tried to say that. I say it all the time. I'm like, pretend we're in a time machine and it's 1940, and you don't happen to have a camera right. with you. Or when people are like, oh my god, I can't believe I don't have my camera. I go, I'm so glad you don't have your camera because now what we're doing is we're going to have a quick conversation about. I'm sorry, I can't, yeah, but yeah. I owe you. I'm always yeah. like, I yeah. owe you. Yeah, yeah. Next time you see me, it's yeah. going to be a better moment. I owe you. Oh yeah, until you um, get the one guy's like, you've said <laughs> that five <laughs> no, times, like, Sarah. Um, <laughs> But I feel like I wish people would just because they're not even looking at you when they're asking you for this picture. They're not. Yeah, they're getting their phone ready. Yeah, I, I was like, but wouldn't you rather just for two seconds just tell me your name? Yeah. Where are you from? And it's weird because the photos. Why are you they here get, today? Yeah, like I've done meet and greets and like I'm exhausted after yeah. a stand-up show, and then I see people on Facebook, you know, posting these pictures of me with one eye open, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like my mouth hanging open. I like, know. I was like, there's like dozens of pictures of me. But there's exhausted. no. There wasn't actually an exchange that they can. Well, call upon right the other than the shaking hand of trying to get their phone to work and right. it never works when they want it to work at that right. moment which is heartbreaking that by story. the way it is it is like relax yeah relax. no i always feel like it's okay and i can't help them because i don't have an iphone so i don't know how to use an iphone i can't you don't have an iphone no i have a blackberry why i've had one since 1999 well that's good yeah so you're I'm, not distracted I'm a constantly very, i'm a monogamous i'm a i'm a very monogamous with the phone yeah yeah that's good so you have what Three kids? I have three kids, yeah. How old are they? My son is, he'll be 14 in October. Yeah. And my daughters are new seven-year-olds. They're twins. Wow. Yeah. So is that, are you enjoying that? <laughs> um, every single day? No, I, of course um, not. Yeah. No, on, yes, I know I do. I love it. And I you love and it. Broderick it's, get along good? Yeah, I get along. I, I like him still. <laughs> I really a, like him. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, he is. He's a... <laughs> He's a, he's like a kind of like a secret weapon. Like he's like a quiet. Yeah, he's very funny too. He's very funny. He's uh-huh. bright. Mm-hmm. He's interesting. That's he's, good. Yeah, he's great. That's good. Yeah, that you survived the whole. Yeah, I thing. think it's um. Let me see. Wait. Um, 92 to ninety two to ninety two to two thousand two two thousand two to two thousand twelve two thousand twelve to twenty four years twenty four years. Yeah. You've been with him, and we've been married. It'll be. Uh, let's see, twenty four. We'll be married nineteen years in March. That's impressive. I know. Congratulations. I feel bad for him sometimes. You do? Yeah. Like when when because we loved Amy Sedaris so for so long, and and Amy and I met um, in in two thousand. Uh, yeah, we met on. We were supposed to start rehearsals on September 11th for uh, for a play. Um, you and Amy. Yes, in 2001. Yeah, and um, we were crazy, crazy fans of Amy's. Yeah, and when my husband finally met Amy, I felt like. Shoot. They should be together? They should be together. And she always used to say, I'm going to drive a wedge between your marriage. I'm going to drive a wedge between your marriage. And I was like, I don't think you have to work that hard. Like, I think if he were allowed, like, they should be together. Should they? Well, I feel feel sometimes I I see him and I'm like, well, you know, that person should probably have an opportunity to spend some time with you. But I'm not really willing to do that. I always picture Amy to be above all these sort of mortal 
struggles well, like that's marriages part of the unicorn and stuff. well yeah thing, because yeah. like i mean they should be together but how much can can matthew handle like look at the rabbit i mean <laughs> i don't know i think that's a good question but we'll not know we'll never know we'll never know the rabbit's on right? your head but she does other things besides want to look at rabbits sure, look at the cake I she's baked. a great great reader i know she's See, a I'm, great I'm, thinker I'm, I'm i know i know you're all. not i know I, I, I don't know um yeah, so yeah, long time we've been together. All right, well... Long time. Well, I'm sorry that, Amy, maybe there's still time for that. I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? But let's get back to the VW van. Okay. So you get here, it's not good, you're staying in Yonkers, you're at a hotel with your six siblings, yep. and your truck driving dad, your yep. mom's in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. your real dad's in Philadelphia, not being a poet. Correct, he's a being a businessman, Correct. It's, but was there a real distinct sort of like, I'm done with poetry, fuck letters, I'm out? Um, I mean, I should probably let him uh, we have no tell his story, but um, <laughs> but um, we don't do fun I things. think what honestly, I think what happened is that he after he um, after he stopped writing poetry and I and I'm uncertain as to why he stopped. He became a journalist and oh, okay. he was a. I think a successful journalist and I think what he really was interested in was business and he started small businesses in Philadelphia when Philadelphia was sort of reinventing itself and like redoing Philly. its downtown you know the yeah. new market you he like was, it? yeah I like Philly very much that read market or read re, re, he was part market, of this market. thing called the new market oh okay well, and I it, just like Philly and it's a, I think it's a it's a great yeah. beautiful city I mean it's, it's rough complicated and yeah. rough but it's an <laughs> yeah. exquisite city yeah. Um, so anyway, he started um, the first, I think the first Dan and Frozen yogurt store and a bath store. Oh, like so he, he re- helped kind of revitalize. Yeah, yeah. And then he went into penny stocks. Mm-hmm. And then he went into, Is he was one of the early. Is that another name for junk bonds or junk stocks? I think penny stocks are like low yeah. value, right, sure. you yeah. know, yeah, but yeah, I like think Wolf in bulk shit. maybe. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure I understand it's bad. Right. what happens right. in, the, the, in the trade of penny stocks. Right. Then... He had a thought that he should buy and bundle big time from the from the telephone companies and sell and sell them to local people. He was one of those early kind of sprint guys. Ah. So he had a company called US Watts. Okay. That was a phone company. That was a phone company that would buy in bulk mm-hmm. and then redistribute right. at lesser prices like all of those companies that flourished. So he's like, uh, like a Robin Hood. Sort of a, a rena- Robin Hood renaissance of the, of the man. Self. Well, he's um, like, I'm taking the expensive phone and you can get it for cheaper. Yeah, except I'm not certain it was meant to be a good thing. A good thing. Right. I mean, I think he was looking and then he retired and now he's retired. And he was in and Brooklyn? He lives in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. He lives outside. Did he remarry and everything? Remarried in 1984. Okay. A fantastic woman. Yeah. So you're out there on Roosevelt Island that's incomplete. So then we finally get to Roosevelt Island. Yeah. And we live there um, unhappily. How can you be happy out there? I don't want to knock well, anybody. I'll get emails now. Like, we're very happy on Roosevelt Island not being in touch with anybody. I went out there once on a one-night bad decision. <laughs> and I was like, where the fuck am I? What did I it's, do? It, it's, well... I think a lot of people live there very happily now. It's not we Staten were the Island. first it is right there. We were the I first mean, families and I right. think it had the not pioneers. had not worked out. It was a social idea. It was an idea, community yes. idea. Yes, and for families who couldn't afford to live. Is that really what it was that for initially? For us it was because it, it had that? subsidized. It still has subsidized. Oh, that's the, good. the island is still broken up into subsidized as far as I know. Middle, right. Upper middle so and then there's like you know, high-end, nice fancy housing. Well, that's interesting. So it's and a really now a it's grand like a, social experiment. 
Yeah, I think so. And the reason my parents knew about it was they had read about it in New York Magazine. They did a big cover story on this island that was being built. And we applied to the management company that was operated out of the city. It was in, like a municipal um, organization. It was Urban Dwellers Management. Oh, okay, okay. And so we applied through that program. Yeah. And then we moved there. And my mom, who's not a snob, had never... Even though we were poor, she'd never not had her own washer and dryer. And she'd never lived like this. And, and, yeah. and I will say, they, how these places were not built well. Yeah. You know, we moved in and the sink was crooked and the walls were made of tissue paper. And yeah. it was an experiment I think we were not equipped for. But wh- why New York, though? What was, what can... I think my dad wanted to work here and we were young actors and... It, so that's like we didn't get to that. So that started in Cincinnati, the mm-hmm, acting, mm-hmm. and there, all of you were doing it. I mean, like, not all of us. Um, my brother Toby, yeah, and 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 I both both of us were actors at the time, and I think my parents thought that my dad could be a truck driver here, and later he he started a business that transported Broadway shows on the road, so he would do the buses and the trucks that's for those big. bus and truck companies. And I'm not certain why they made this sacrifice. What's your mom do? My mother was a school teacher for mm. years until until I was about two or three, and then she couldn't anymore. I mean, she had a, a lot, lot of kids, kids. yeah. And so she taught were... in Appalachia. She taught in the foothills of Appalachia. So her she taught second grade, mm-hmm. and her students were anywhere from like seven to fourteen year year olds. And now, what is the your father is Jewish? Your real my father? real father's Jewish. Because both seem, his parents are Jewish. You see, I always thought you were kind of Jewish. I know people do, but I feel like I don't really have a right to claim that. My father is, so I'm half, right? Right. And my mother is right. not. So, I mean, yeah. I, culturally, like, I identify in a lot of ways. Well, that's sort of there's that weird line of New York Jewish, New York Italian, right. New York Irish. So you, you can fall in, you know what I mean? Because yeah, you're New York. Yeah, and I think York. I fall into, I mean, I have some claim, right? Sure, I mean, of course. My yeah. father, my father not, was not, not observant. I'm not going to deny you um, claim. His family wasn't as observant. His right. parents weren't. Um but, but yeah, but we Jewish. were raised with no religious education of any kind. Do you ra- have any religion now? No. I, I, Is I, Matthew, what's Matt? He's half Jewish too, right? Matthew's mother was Jewish and his father was Irish Catholic. How was he brought up? N- not Nothing. observant. But his mother's worldview, I think he would agree with, was very much from the point of view of a Jew. Uh-huh. Like always looked at the world with that lens. Right. I think. Which Be- is, not uh, not uncommon also for her generation. She's passed, but sure. Which is, I think, she was, how I see this as a Jew. So she how came am to I New York as a, an immigrant she family. Was, no, she she was born here, and oh, um, I'm but, there's like third generation. But New York here. Jews, New York Jew, true New York Jew. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it's sort of wild though that you both have this very like Irish Catholic and Jewish is not that unusual. And right. Then, like just a, like his mother, he's actually has some. He's theoretically Jewish. Yes. His mother was Jewish. He always says if. If they came, Hitler, for, yeah, that's right. if yeah, they yeah. came, I would be. I'd taken. be on the list. Yeah, and I would maybe straddle. <laughs> you might be able to get I away. Might but now with the internet, they can get anybody. Be in some sort of purgatory, right, of right. like yeah. a waiting period. Sure, yeah, um, you get leniency. But my mother, my mother, when I was younger, she always said that she was an atheist because she, my parents were very political, and so she, I think, her thoughts were how. 
I mean, how could there be a God? If there was, you know, there's so much conflict in the right. world and there's so much sure. pain yeah. and um, loss yeah. and inequality. So how how can there be a a, a, a good God that is allowing? So her thing was like, there's, I'm an atheist. I so don't believe sure. in God. Working class progressives. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And my stepfather is a Green Party member. Really? And he is a Christian, a Uh true old-fashioned Christian. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. I mean like... It's in him. He is not a a new Christian. Not a moralist, but like a... Not at all. He's extremely principled. His his parish is the most diverse building I have sat in with... But it's Most about Christian principles. Christian principles right. of volunteerism, sure, right. community, Charity, giving service. to other service. Yeah, completely. It's really that's a very noble beautiful. thing. It's, it is. It's really people who really abide by that and they they make it their life and they find joy in that. Tolerant and yeah. accepting and are wanting to hear people from people who are different than themselves. Yeah. Ideology that is counter right. and even anathema. They are this is the type Acceptance. of of community that he right. oh, worships a... at religiously, literally every single Sunday. Really? Even if it gets in the way of a family event. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's something. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really it's we've gone a couple times. My daughters love it. Why wouldn't they? There's a really, we have a really wonderful Unitarian church in New York called All Souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get there, they send a um, a morning. Um, Every day you get their little yeah, wake up call. It's, uh, I should read, I mean. Do something nice today. No, it's, today. It's, they pull from, you know, scholars and right, right. Um, people of, oh, of nice. faith and i haven't had and one of those weird, I, I get it every morning more, nice. it's, a, it's a daily meditation but it's not about do you actively God. meditate no i don't wouldn't have the patience i tried do you it was, yoga no do you what, what do you do nothing i run around new york i live in a town <laughs> i run up and down stairs all day long and we came back and my daughter's last night i, I mm-hmm. came home and i ran up the stairs to the room and my daughter loretta who's unbelievably honest she was like mama why are you so out of breath i was like well, first of all because i'm like 150 years old and second of all i just because i'm 150 years old I, I just ran up the stairs nine times to get you what you need yeah i'm out of breath seven-year-old anyway. so you've been in show business for like a long time yes and 40 years really it's yeah. so in the when you came from Cincinnati, what you had done? What community theater, children's theater? No, I had done proper. I so when I moved here, by the time I moved here, I'd done a play on Broadway, a real, true, beautiful play directed by Harold Pinter called *The Innocence*. Do you remember the, Harold Pinter? Oh, are you kidding me? How old were you? I was eleven. I wow. had just just been on Broadway. He directed an adaptation of uh, *The Turn of the Screw*, the Henry James *Turn yeah, of the Screw*, yeah, yeah. which uh, William Archibald in the fifties did a beautiful adaptation for the yeah. stage, and it was me and Claire Bloom who played wow. the governess, and Harold yeah. Pinter directed it, and I auditioned in You're New eight? York. I was ten. Uh huh. Went to London to rehearse. Came back. We went out of town like shows used to do, you know, Philadelphia, Boston. Came into New York, played the Morosco Theater, and not only do I remember Harold Pinter, but I, I was. I was mad for him. I was crazy as a young child even. What was the impression? Well, first of all, he was beautiful. Like uh-huh. he's, he was beautiful. You know what he looks like, right? I don't. Oh, oh! I wish I could pull up a picture. He was, um, 
extremely handsome, yeah. distinguished. Yeah. He um and he a genius. smelled he smelled so uh-huh. great. Yeah. He smoked and he drank yeah. and he wore a proper men's cologne, but uh-huh. not an not an intrusive or aggressive. I had never been around like I'd never been around somebody like this in my entire life. I mean, you can imagine, like classy British dude. Yeah, like you know, at the at that time, arguably maybe the greatest living yes. playwright on th- that side of the pond, right? right? Yeah, because Miller was still alive here in our country, and Pinter, and he was smart and exquisite and a great director, a great director, and at the time to his death. Then with Lady Antonia Fraser. Do you know who Lady Antonia Fraser is? She wrote Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. And they had had this wonderfully scandalous relationship. They had been she had been friends. She was married to someone else. He was married to someone else. They'd been friends. And then she left her husband and went off with Harold and Harold um they stayed together till his dying till his last breath. Oh, that's My a mother good story about divorce. loved and Lady Antonia Fraser, who wrote great historic books on historical figures. Yeah. The the most important and and you know, most talked about of her books was Mary Queen of Scots. Right. So they're together, right? Yeah. And they're traveling around with their true old Louis Vuitton uh-huh. like steamer trunks. Yeah. Then Claire Bloom who is a magnificent English actress, right? Beautiful. The most beautiful diction and sound of a voice you'll probably ever hear. Her boyfriend at the time was Philip Roth. Oh, my God. So my mother always said, jokingly, that she married my father because he reminded her of Philip Roth. Right. You know, two Jewish... If you saw a picture of my dad, you'd be like, wow, that's uncanny. Jewish men. Right? Smart writers... Scary. My little. mother read the New Yorker her whole life. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. would go to the library as a young girl and ask for the New Yorker. Yeah. So here we are on the road with Harold Pinter, Lady Antonia Fraser, Claire Bloom, and Philip Roth. They're all there. Picture my mother. They're all there. We're traveling from city to city, and In you a know, bus? Or are you just we're meeting? flying, right, but sure. we're there every day, and and the, oh, the, the companions are with them. And anyway, like Harold, we would go to Boston. I was a ballet dancer, and Harold would make sure I got out of rehearsal to go take classes with the Boston Ballet. I mean, he was amazing. He was amazing. You're like you know, ten years old, and you're and you're in the hot core of like. New York intellectualism and, and, and international arts. I know. Of, like, it was uh, crazy. But I only knew that because my parents. Because my parents knew that. But my, you felt the impression. I mean, most, as a, what most was your, assuredly. What was your 10-year-old impression of Philip Roth? Um, I thought he, too, was really handsome. I knew immediately why my mother said that about him. Like, uh-huh. he was so chic and sexy and... Um, I mean, I knew that. You know, when you're little, you don't not know things. It's interesting because that time of culture being at the forefront of, of you know, New York intellectual culture and theater culture and international. Literature and art. Literature and art being at the forefront. It's like gone. I mean, the 70s was it. I know. Everyone thinks just, we're just nostalgic because we're old. And that's but like, like, no, but the seven, like, we must reexamine. Well, yeah, like so, Harold Pinter and, and Philip Roth might be on the Dick Cavett show together. Oh, definitely. On the and Dick like, Cavett show. Right. And, and, and people now that, that whole Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we used, to listen, we used to watch all the time. Yeah. Right. That's so yeah. specific. It was ma- like I knew, I wouldn't have known, obviously, if my parents didn't tell me, but I, y- you could feel it. So you do Annie. 
Right. So I after, come to New York. After Pinter. After Pinter, I come to New York. This is true. We arrived in New York and I had an audition, I believe, for Pretty Baby. Really? Yes. And With Louis Mall. With Louis Mall, And at the time... Um, there was this great casting director in New York who was in the Gulf and Western building, which is now the freaking Trump, you know, the Gulf and Western, right. And that was Columbus Circle. Paramount had a... Correct. Right, Exactly, and the movie theater was underneath. And um, so my father was looking for some place for us to stay. So he dropped me off. Yeah. And uh, I went up and my first audition was for Pretty Baby. And I got called back and called back and called back and... um, eventually read a few times with Louis Mall. So that was my first day in New York. Mm-hmm. Literally, he drove down from the Holiday Inn, dropped me off at the Gulf and Western Building, and was like, I'll be back. Anyway, didn't get that movie. Auditioned, got some other stuff. And then um, and then Annie opened, and I, I wasn't around for that original audition because right. that had happened prior to my um, well, it, arrival. The, the show had run for a little while already. The show opened in April of 77, right? right? But they started out of town before I came. So at one point, soon after I arrived, there was an audition for the first replacement who was going to leave the yeah. show right after it opened. Right. So I went, and my and my parents had taken us to see Annie. They had cobbled together enough money to buy two seats and four standing room. So we would stand, and then two people would switch after intermission. Yeah. So two people could sit, and then two people could sit. Right. And we watched the show, and... Have you ever seen Annie? Did I you haven't. see freaking Annie? No. Oh no, it's great. No, I know. It's I like the indisputably, songs. Indisputably, no, it's 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 a perfect show. Okay. I, I promise you, it's a perfect show. And I saw it. You know, I was twelve years old, and I was like, certainly a perfect show for a twelve-year-old. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and my dad said to me at the time, and I never sang professionally, whatever. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he could see my eyes. He was like, he said to me. You're just not Annie material. Oh. You know that. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. But anyway, I got Why a call because I think they, those girls could belt. They were out, belters right, right. and they were big, yeah. you know, yeah, bold yeah. performers. Yeah. And that was not my style. Right. And, but anyway, I got an audition for the show and I, and I, and I, um, and I came to this audition and, um, and I, and I sang, uh, the song Nothing from a Chorus Line, which was this great song um, that this character, uh, Priscilla Lopez's character yeah. sings about being Puerto Rican and wanting to be an actor and going to um, performing arts and never really achieving what the drama teacher, and the drama teacher keeps telling her, yeah. you're nothing, you're nothing, you should just go to you know the Catholic school down the street. And it's got you know like a curse word in it, and but I love this song. I saw it, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but no, I great. saw a chorus line before it opened on Broadway yeah. when I came to do The Innocents. Yeah. It was in previews across the, the street. Play, when you came, correct. To, right. And, and a chorus line, and I went to the previews before it opened. Before it opened. Before it became like the biggest, yeah. hit of the time. Yeah, my parents got tickets, and I was like, "They sure I mean, that you. was a they, seminal they love theater, theater as much as you. They love, they, oh, they, they love it. They love it. They love it. So I that song became my song. But then it was like controversial that I sang that because there's a line she says, "Except the feeling that this bullshit was absurd," and I sang that in my audition. Anyway, for Annie. For Annie. Did you belt it out? Were you like, I I'm didn't really, belt? Be- I wasn't really a, a belter. Right. Before I got Annie, I did a show at the Manhattan Theater Club with Charles Strauss, who wrote the music and the lyrics, right? For Annie. For Annie. Yeah. And Martin Sharnan, 
directed that show. Yeah. And it was a review of Charles Strauss's music. Uh-huh. So I'd had that experience. Then I came over. I auditioned for Annie. I got, I got, I got the part. And when I got the part of July, the orphan, some might say it's the most boring orphan, but I liked her. Yeah. Um, they said, also, you're now going to be the understudy to Annie because Andrea is going to leave. The original Annie is going to yeah. leave. When she leaves, Shelley Bruce is moving up into the role of Annie. Yeah. And we need an understudy. But before that happens, Sarah Jessica, Shelley's going on vacation. When Andrea, like when you come into the show, Shelley will be on vacation. You have to learn Annie first because if Andrea doesn't make it, you're first up on deck. Because the understudy's on vacation. She's on holiday. Right. So this is one of those like, and then you get a week of rehearsal. Yeah. You get a week of rehearsal. Yeah. They taught me Annie first. Mm-hmm. They taught me my my track for mm-hmm. July, opening night, January of nineteen seventy eight. Biggest snowstorm in New York City in thirty six years. Mm-hmm. All those people in the cast, they all live in Philly, <laughs> including Andrew McArdle. She's not going to make the show. Literally, they're like, "You might be going on and playing Annie." I was like, "What? What the fuck?" Yeah. But I didn't care. I was like 12. I was like, yeah, yeah okay. Where's, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Anyway, she got there in time, but a bunch of other people were out. We had to kind of reorganize the show. Eventually. There was an audience? They came? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, New Yorkers. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, if you have tickets, yeah, find yeah, a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, did the show, did it for a while. Then one of the original cast members, a grown up, who played a very pivotal role of Grace Farrell, that's kind of ingenue lead opposite Daddy Warbucks was mm-hmm. leaving and anytime an original cast member leaves the whole creative team comes back to watch and send them off Shelly by then Annie was out sick I was on so I did the show in front of all the creative team yeah and they came back and they were like you're gonna be Annie <laughs> and I was like alright <laughs> come on you I was gonna... like no really I was like alright yeah and I but I had auditioned for a, a, a TV series, and I, I got the part. But I got the part when my parents were out of town. My brother was, my oldest brother was taking care of us. And I said to them, listen, I, I'm going to give you my notice, I'm leaving. Martin Charnin, yeah. Martin Charnin came back, and he was like, you're one day shy of a two-week notice. And I was like, come on, really? Yeah. And he's like, stay, and I'll make you Annie. And I was like, can I get that in writing? Because I don't believe you. <laughs> and he did. So, do you know what that so TV show was? So I took over. Did it, did it, it was called Me and Max. So it didn't even, did it run? Uh, I don't think it ran terribly long, but it was good. Mm-hmm. It was the guy that created Welcome Back, Hotter. Right. James Comack, I think, was his name. It's interesting about TV, though, because like you're a real theater person. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more satisfying than that. The mm-hmm. immediacy of that, the connection yeah. with the audience. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you telling the story. It's, it's one of the greatest stories you have. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> no, but like you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. The excitement of that. And a theater in general. Yeah, because nothing nothing can mimic it. Nothing. Right. And I love television. I love yeah. the speed and the immediacy sure. and the limitations and the urgency and all of it. But it's a different type of acting. But it's a very different type. And it's yeah. a different kind of rigor and right. discipline. Sure. But I do remember laying in bed the night before I took over the role. I played this orphan for a year and then I played, an aunt, I played Annie for yeah. a year. And I remember lying in bed and I shared a bedroom with my sister. And I was thinking to myself, looking at the ceiling like... I gotta, I gotta, gotta play that part for a year. Right. Yikes. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I'm almost like 15. Right. I, 
I should maybe be in high school now. Maybe I shouldn't be playing Little Orphan Annie. Right. But I knew this was, you know, an opportunity. And, and actually, the other day, I was... And it's a living, too, right? I it's mean, a living. I was contributing to right. my family, yeah. you know, and it was important. So, and is I loved it. Is that how it worked? Was it, like, how did that work with, you know, your father being the type of person he is when you had those kind of conversations, you being probably the, the biggest breadwinner of the family at that point? Um, well, that... well man, my, yeah, maybe I was. But was there sort of like, we're going to put this away for you and then, you know, this is going to... I think we put it away, but we also, if we needed it, we sure. used it. And right. that was just an understanding. I mean, we didn't, it's not, we did it was interesting because we didn't talk about it, but we talked about it. Right. It was, it was made clear that we were contributing because the family was contributing to us. Right. And... Um, my brother, when I was doing Annie on Broadway, he was doing Runaways on Broadway. He was doing you know, the, the, the Elizabeth Suedo show, Runaways. Yeah. It was a, a musical. So he was in that original cast. So he and I, when I was first doing Annie, we were living on Roosevelt Island. And we would meet and take the N and the R train back home. Mm -hmm. So he so he was, you know, contributing as well. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I never had any resentment about that. And even though when I left home... And I was, you know, almost 18, and I had by then done Square Pegs. Um, How long was that on, a season? That was only a season. I had a, I didn't have Were you a, living in L.A.? Did you live in L.A.? I lived at the Oakwood Garden Apartments oh, on sure. Coenga. Yeah, 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 you know? where they put people up who don't live there. And yeah, furnished apartments. like a lot of the divorced, yeah. like recently divorced <laughs> yeah. men. Uh-huh. God, it was really bleak. I, I, even I thought, I, I, did, I didn't like, I didn't care. If, it really depressed your, me. You were like 18? I was 16, 17. So who was there with you? My mom and two two siblings, yeah. In 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 Hollywood there. On Kawanga? Yeah, is yeah. that Hollywood? I think it's over the hill. So it's like Toluca Lake. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, it really I found it really um Yeah, how could a furnished apartment situation really be depressed me? Happy. Yeah, I didn't care for it. But how but, long did you stay in Hollywood or in uh, LA? So I did a season of television of that. Yeah. Went back home, did Footloose after that. That was a big loose. thing. Yeah. That was a big thing. And then by then I was 18 and on my own. And, so, and starting to want to be in movies. Yeah. And I had done a bunch of movies by then anyway, like smaller parts. Right. And so, I mean, I was a journeyman. I was yeah. happily a journeyman. I thought yeah. I had the world on a string. I mean, right. that's, I had the career I imagined was and still believe is the best possible career, you which were. is. I was working and I was working in film and then I was working in television and then I was working in theater and then I was so able no to real, pay my bills. And no real disappointment about one thing not happening or no. You're just you were a working actress and you I was trying to get parts. jobs that I was right. proud of and yeah. work that I was excited about and people that I wanted to work with. That was if I could pay my bills, yeah, and I could eat and I could take the subway and get right. a slice of pizza. It's great. What more? Yeah. What more? Honestly, what more could I want? And then, and, but you know, and you've been in the public eye for a long time. I mean, like you dated Robert Downey before it fell apart for him in a big way. Yeah, I was with him for eight years. You were a kid though. I know. Like, how old were you? Like nineteen. We were eighteen. We met when we were eighteen. Where'd you meet? On Firstborn, a movie called Firstborn with Terry Garr and Peter Weller. Yeah, he's like an astoundingly talented man. That guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. But you were with him like you were just kids. But yeah. you saw that, you must have seen that it was like going to be a struggle. I didn't, you know, I'd never, I'd never seen drugs. Right. Done drugs. Right. Been around drugs, even right. though Square Pegs, it turns out, was riddled with drugs, which I didn't, <laughs> didn't know at all. Um, you were Annie. <laughs> yeah, I was, I think I was naive. I wasn't yeah. innocent, but I was naive. And I, 
didn't recognize things that maybe somebody who had dabbled right. in that world would know right. as signs. But yeah. I also felt, I think like a lot of us do about a lot of things, which is like, well, I can I can deal with that. Sure. I can fix that. I can help. And it's also Once the time, I, too. Like that time, it was sort of like, we're, we're all doing it. Oh, my God. It was... Right crazy it was everywhere it was everywhere um and we weathered a huge amount of that but but eventually i felt that uh i guess i just summoned the courage to leave him and not the the biggest i think the biggest hardest choice about those kinds of relationships is uh feeling brave enough to leave even if you're afraid they're gonna die like that's because you stay not because you're in love anymore you love this person and right. you're afraid that they will die if you aren't there to shore up their base right. every single Did solitary day. Did you do any day. sort of work like Al-Anon codependent? You know I tried at one point because he went to you know we interve- we did like you know many yeah. interventions and yeah. everyone was like you should go to some Al-Anon, Al-Anon meetings yeah. and I went to some Al-Anon meetings and I remember coming home and saying to him gosh you know Downey I they're just they seem so angry I'm not angry <laughs> I'm worried. I'm not angry. Um, and you're young, too. And I so felt, young. yeah, and I wasn't, you know, tired of it yet. Mm-hmm. I was just didn't want him to die. Like, I yeah. just didn't want him to die. Right. And, um, but I, but I'm, we're friends still. It's, yeah. it's kind of well, great. It's a, it's a great sort of success story with him, you know, because, you know, I'm sober and, you know, he seems to be oh, holding I didn't the line. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for How long are you sober? 17 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, and you know we we have some common friends, and I'm just like I'm impressed when people can, especially going through what he went through, because it seems that right after you broke up, and also I guess you were really this was your home, New York. Yeah. So that made I came it, home. Yeah, a little easier or harder. I don't know what, but like it seemed like right after you guys broke up, that was when he was like, yeah, and, it was and mad. I, and I imagine you just had to sit there and go like, I hope you know. It was weird. It, well, it, I did sort of, although I got pulled back in later in a way that was very dark and, and scary. Um, what does that mean? I guess I, it just means like it, I got off a, I, I got off a plane in Los Angeles, you know, yeah. and I, you know, there've been some years Since spent not up. together yeah. and I got off and, you know, you would go to the luggage thing and, you know, yeah. I had a flip phone at the time, right. a, a, like a, what would be the brand? Uh, you know, Samsung like, or, or no, like no. the the only brand at the oh, time. Oh, I don't know. You know, what, it was. what was it yeah. called? Whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh Jesus, oh, God, it's so sad. Anyway, the one I always wanted, I had it, yeah. and I, I flipped it open, and they were like, you know, a hundred messages, and they were all like, "Did you hear about Downey? Downey? Downey?" And a lot of people calling me saying, "Can you help? Can you step in and help?" And what had happened? He disappeared. Oh, and it was that really bad like he was public on the run. chapter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was on the run. And uh, and I was pulled back in. Be- I'm not certain why, but anyway, um, you found. Yeah, him? it's hard. Yeah, yeah. You were the one. In I was working with some other people. Right, right. But it was. Um, I had not seen him that bad. He was never that bad when we were together. Right. And um. It's it's a very it, you, it's like a it's like a it's like a muscle that atrophied and then it's like you're working it out again and, right. and it just comes back and devastating um, I guess. yeah 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 and that then you guys got him into treatment I guess again 
Yeah, I mean, I think that wasn't the end. I think right, there were no, a couple right. more, yeah, but yeah. but yeah, it's. I'm thrilled for his health yeah. and well being now. But what did you learn for yourself in that moment where you're like that 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 all came back so quickly that that it was as dangerous to you in a way? It felt more dangerous to me than it right. had ever felt. Right. It felt like I it had entered a sort of a, a, an, a, an alternate universe right. of. Um, really scary associations and really scary a, a habit that had become genuinely scary but everything around it too was dangerous it was right. it was who was he communicating right. with how right. was he right. you know conducting this business sure. um, who was in his life and sure. how often was he putting himself in danger in true like oh, and yeah. on me right. putting me in danger and Just asking with the people in these situations ter- terrifying right um and I guess what I learned is that I I had real, like I had a real allergy to it all of a sudden. Like I really found, like it made me sick to my stomach. Right. And it made me so sad. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't get over how sad it was. Because it was a very different kind of relationship with drugs then. Right. Now. Sure. Sure. Versus... It, there that was like since you were kids like innocent that would be like yeah, yeah. champagne to right, yeah, you know yeah. chasing the dragon is like right yeah, yeah. even though i mean that but sure. really the leap but so it was you know i i i i you were scared i was ter- i was really like i set up a whole system of like being in touch with people the whole time and pretending that i was calling in for my call time because i was shooting a movie at the time oh, and you like, got really sucked in i mean i was so scared i was scared yeah um but i was scared for him too but you know you're all right. Yeah, I'm fine. He's good. And He's you learned well. a big lesson that it's not, you can't save somebody. No, you can't. <laughs> That's you, a, you just, an, you can't. It's an important lesson. And, and, and every time you think you're special, yeah. like every time you're like, I no, I know he's difficult. Like yeah, a girl that's yeah, right. like a boyfriend that's coming with all these warning signs. She's like, no, 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 no. Just like, give me, give me two weeks of yeah. them. No. no, 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 not your job. No. Well, that's a good lesson to learn. It's very it's good. A, it seems yeah. like you got some extreme training in it very quickly. Yeah, it was like a master class. I mean, it's nice that you're still friends. Yeah, we are. It's very that's nice. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, so let's just go through. Uh, I love. I love this. That okay. So, Sex in the City. It, we, like I like that we don't like that we're at <laughs> that a point happened. in time where yeah. But I, I imagine though, like having worked as long as you had and done movies and done everything else, and even though you say that you know you were just a journeyman and everything else. This was a uh, probably a break that you didn't anticipate would be as big as it was. Correct. And and it was spectacular. Yeah, it was. You know, from you, beginning to end. I mean, the the experience itself was spectacular. Yeah. It was it was I did the I did the pilot, never thought about it again like you do. Mm-hmm. And somebody on a street stopped me, said, "Hey, I saw your show." And I was like, "What show?" She said, I saw your, you did a pilot. And I was like, I literally do not remember what she's talking about. Yeah. She said, Sex and the City. I was like, oh, you saw that? I haven't seen it. Right. She was like, oh, it's good. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> then it got picked up and then I became panicked and tried to get out of it. Really? I really tried to get out of Why? it. Why? Because you want to do movies? or you Because wanna... I was like, well, I got it all now. I can do a play this year, this month, and then I can run, do a part in a movie. And you then I can. You to be strapped to it. Right, because in my head there was like you were on a thing, and it was seven years, and then everything was the same every day, and that terrified me. And I talked to my agents, and and anyway, they great. I'm so grateful, but they you know talked me out of my panic, and I went to the set the very first day. We were shooting, um, we were shooting on Bleecker Street and Sixth Avenue. Never looked back. Yeah, there wasn't one day that I didn't want to be on that set. Not one single day that I didn't think doesn't get better than this oh it's great yeah it was it was it was 
the experience of a lifetime for a lot of reasons. A I think lot. It, it changed. Uh, it, well, not only did it change TV in a way, but it changed the city, mm-hmm. and it gave a, a lot of people a sort of you know an outlet of glamour that had not existed before and it integrated communities around Yeah and I think it was about around, like hopes yeah. I mean it sort of it was yeah. an idealized heightened version of what this yeah. city could promise Right yeah. But I think the thing that I loved most was the storytelling was sure. the clothes were fun and titillating yeah, yeah, right. and language yeah, salty yeah. and the city looking all sparkly mm-hmm. but Michael Patrick King's writing and being able to live a life that long, an, uh, literally another person who gets to have all these really sort of very colorful, very erratic heartbeat, like that kind of is, with his words, Yeah, great. a dream. Yeah. You know what's amazing to me right now with you is that, you know, I've watched some, you know, I've, I've seen Sex in the City. You know, I, I was not like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah, it's no, on. No, no, that's, yeah, but, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah. No, but like. Not I, like I was with Air America, for right, instance. Right, in the Different. mornings with me yelling Different. about things. Yeah. But. Um, Do you miss any of, the, any. Uh, oh God, no. What, in what, what meaning like. Well, to be untethered well, from that dialogue day right. to day, like every day of that and how, you know, like no matter what I feel in terms of what's going on or about politics is that, you know, my revelation when i started the podcast was that you know existential challenges are what we all share Mm -hmm. and as soon as you start talking about politics very very rarely are you speaking exactly your own mind right 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 yeah you're going to tell a party line some kind or another and that in in and of itself is divisive i mean people know my politics but there's people who do it better than me so why not? Why don't I just talk about you know the difficulties of day to day life, right? As opposed to like the tone. But of in me this particular, about, I do it on stage. Election, and I have done it a bit on the show. See cycle. Yeah, um, it is a responsibility. So, uh, and I on 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 the stand up stage, I'll do a bit. You know, I do some. And and uh, like you're doing some on what. Say, on, say, you know, say it's Trump, tonight on, on Trump. On, on, you know, the nature of what uh, the American president's responsibility really is, what qualifies someone to be that, what is driving people to, to, to vote for one or the other, mm-hmm. having a certain amount of empathy who are, for people who I think are making the wrong decision mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. trying to understand that. And, and also realizing that, you know, it's rare that these people are great people all the way through. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and we just had one that was really good and yeah. people seem to dismiss that. So, like, I yeah, try to yeah, be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you're not, if I'm not a little bit diplomatic, if I get strident, I don't even like my tone. I've been no, on stage recently where I'm like, I don't even like my tone. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's, it's annoying me. No, I understand. I understand. Uh, uh, yeah. But what I was going to say is that, like, when I see you, you know, in a movie, like, you know, I, I saw that, like, recently on TV, the Chuck, the Bruce Willis movie came on with, it, you know, on the boat oh, and stuff. Like, no, but like, but the, striking distance. Right. But like I just identify you as you. Like when I see you in this in this uh, in the show Divorce, you know I'm not thinking like no oh, Carrie Bradshaw. You know like I don't have Feel good. That. Yeah, like yeah. You to me transcend the character, which is a oh, beautiful good. thing. Thank you. That's <laughs> nice to hear. That's a great relief. So. And it was great talking to you. Thank you. Likewise, it was a dream, a and dream I, come true. Seriously, like I I I told you in the lobby, I should repeat it for your. You're millions and millions of listeners, but I'm just massive, massive admirer. Oh, well, so thank it's you. like total, and I will, I will not ask for more. I will simply say, officially, make it. You were on the record inviting me to the garage, no, not it, to speak, but to look. But on correct, but, but on mic, you can look on. Mic. Look on mic. I look think on that mic. We okay, do that when you that's come a out cool there. thing, actually. 
Sure. For a show. Sure. Look on mic. Look on mic. Instead of but you, instead of WTF, it could be look on mic. That's well, that's like another a, a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. But what is this thing you did? Like, because I'm about to do a thing, the genealogy thing, because I was poking around on Wikipedia. Oh, oh. Like you, because I know uh, it, who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. But like, because you found out a lot of stuff. Though, found right? out a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, stuff that I, I thought we were newcomers to this country. I thought I had no connection. I yeah. thought I was. A mutt, which I was fine and very actually. But now it's right. a very defined mutt. Very, def- I'm not a mutt. Okay. Oh no, no, no! Well, thank God. I, 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 my family on my mother's side got here 12 years after the Mayflower. So it's we were we were on the map. We, my family. And you can find all that shit. Yes, out. it's real. Because I, I'm doing one. I'm doing a gene. They did my. I, wh- they took when my are you? Spit. Oh, you're doing that one. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear who you are. Me neither. I hope you're not disappointed. I, I had some concerns about who I might be. But it sounded like you, you, you won. You, you hit the ancestry lotto. I, I did. I, I mean, tail. yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank oh, my God. You. Thank you. Right, do you thank feel you. good about it? Yeah, I feel, um, I feel very sated, like a good meal was oh, just had. Well, then, great. <laughs> Me too. Good luck with the show. Thanks, man. Lovely, lovely. I, you know, there's just some people that are just they're they're everything you think they are, and their their charisma. And uh, I love talking to Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm gonna play two chords over and over again for a minute.